So we are back on the bench room. It is episode 26 on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay. I'm yours, Googs. So today we kick off the start of the Preparation Cup with newly revived EP Elephant Sides coach Peter De Villiers as we chat about the exciting plans of the unit as they take on the Bulls this weekend in Loftus. Then on to the last segment of today's show, we chat to Rinishan Moodley, Warriors and Cricket Conditioning Coach regarding cricket in the pandemic. So up first, we have a Coach Peter De Villiers, so do stay tuned on Madiba's radio after a short break. Hi, I'm Figile Mbalula, commonly known as uh, Razma Tazmba, Wizi Fligile on Flick. You are listening to Madiba's radio. Keep rocking the Metro Nana. Let's go. You're listening to Madiba's radio, opening up the waves for you to be heard. All right, so I'm joined by former Springboks coach and current EP Elephants coach, Peter De Villiers. <coughs> Welcome on the bench, Roma. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, um, Nathan. Um, it's always a privilege to speak to the people in this region. Cool. Um, now, firstly, let me get straight to it. Um, you guys, obviously, this weekend will be playing against the Bulls. Uh, how have the preparations been uh, leading up to this weekend's uh, fixture? Yeah, it's like normal. Um, we did all the basics that we has decided as basics for the team. We did in the first few weeks. And then we started to knit it together until this week where it was a game week where we just rounded off everything for, for this for this game. So, yeah, I think we're ready for it. All right. Um, Coach, I mean, I'll be frank with you. Um, obviously, today, um, both sides uh, were announced. Obviously, today, the Bulls actually announced the side. You guys obviously announced the side earlier in the week. Many are considering it a club versus pro uh, um, uh, players game. What are your thoughts on the mismatch between the two sides? Well, I don't know. I don't know why you call it a mismatch. Um, if we're all made by God in the same image of God, I don't think there can be a mismatch anywhere. Um, the only mismatch in this case is that 
the Bulls as a 50 million rand um, team and we as a 2 million rand team. There's the only mismatch that, that I can see here. I 100% agree. Uh, after a short drought of no rugby in the province, how important was it to revive the rugby again in a rugby-rich uh, region? Yeah, it's huge. It's really important for all of us that um, there's such a lot of people that we we have stolen from, you know. We have stolen the hope from our youth, and, and, and that is why the Eastern Cape has a missing generation at this stage. People don't understand um, why people have shattered their dreams so they went and they, they went to the second best thing in life, um, uh, went off the, 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 the rail, did some wrong things. And that is why the region is suffering at this stage, you know. So we are trying to fix that, um, that, that imbalances of the past. And we hope that this team um, will go out there and, and, and just do establish again the kind of, of, of confidence that this, this region needs and that the youth need and everybody needs to grow again as a force um, uh, in, in this country. No, of course. Um, when you took charge of, of the side, um, what were your personal objectives um, when, when, when you were um, appointed as the head coach of EP Elephants uh, leading up to this weekend's uh, competition? Well, at this stage of my life, I don't have any personal objectives. I do have collective objectives, and that is very, very important for me to change the lives of, of, of the guys that I'm working with so that they can be brand ambassadors for the region that they are representing. And so that we can actually, again, find that hope that all of us as people um, uh, are promised in, in the Bible, you know. So, so that is the only objective that I do have to, to fulfill the dreams um, of, of those players who, who wants to be the best in this, in this country. Now, sticking on your personal objective as a coach, do you feel you have anything to prove as you enter the SA rugby system again? Anybody who wants to prove people anything are stupid, you know. Um, God made us in the image of himself, and there's nothing more to prove in life than that, to live in that image. He never promised us success. He never promised us big names. He never promised us houses and cars and all those kind of nonsense. So if people look down at other people, it's just the fact that they that their self-esteem has grown out of their whole body and is taking over the mind of them. So now I don't think that I have anything to prove, or you have anything to prove, anybody has anything to prove, except yourself, because you are the guy who is sleeping at night um, with yourself. You are the last guy who says goodnight to yourself. So, so if you are happy, and that is another Bible principle, love your neighbors yourself. So too many people don't love themselves at this stage in our life. And... Um, they try to, to, to love other people, you know, so they can't. It's not, it's not, it's not um, uh, uh, possible for them to do it. The one thing that's very important is that if your heart is pure, you don't need to um, prove anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, in, in recent times, the, the union has been liquidated twice. Um, it's been both documented um, the past of EP Rugby Union. Has there been any assurance uh, by the union um, on how or ways the players will be assured they will be paid uh, going forward? Yeah, liquidation won't help us this weekend when he plays against the Bulls, you know. At this stage, we are very honest with each other, very honest with the players, open with them. We sat down with them and, and worked out how, how we can best serve them as people. 
Um, so the liquidation part of this union is, is, is a boardroom thing that, that we as, as, as players, we actually are looking at the opportunity that, that, that the game is giving us to grow into, to be the best we that we can be. And um, um, if anybody wants to liquidate anybody, it's fine. It's a, it's a thing in, 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 in the world that you don't, if you, if you bite too big, and you can't and you can't uh, pay and live by what you have, uh, or you can't chew what you have bitten off, then you will be liquidated at this stage. We focus on the game, and that is between the four lines. So my office is green grass and not and not bricks. Um, before the competition starts, uh, what were the goals and objectives, uh, and for the uh, for the team overall going into the Pep Cup, and uh, in the long term? Yeah, there's only one. We only have one goal at this stage, and that is to go do Saturday good, um, to represent this 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 region to the best of our abilities, to be a brand ambassador for all the youth that is walking in the streets and 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 fighting and killing and and doesn't have anything um, to live for. That is our, our our main goal at this stage. And then if the Bulls game is done, we look if to the next one and then to the next one. But we are only focusing now on on going out there. And to go and to go uh, be brand ambassadors and to put the market down for this for this uh, region. Uh, when the side was announced, uh, a newly recruited player within the EP system, Innocent Khadebe, was named captain of the side. Firstly, congratulations to him. Uh, what motivated his appointment as captain of the EP Elephant side? Inni is one of those guys who has been hidden hard by the circumstances of the South African South African life. Um, Ine was the best rugby player, the best rugby player at Craven Week. He never missed one kick at that Craven Week. He was, he was in the South African school side. Um, he went to the Sharks. He never kicked one to one uh, goal to, to, to the post. Um, and then he was, well, because of, of circumstances, he got the short end of the stick, like many, many, many of our people. Um, luckily, God gave me, gave me one of those talents to identify um, a great talent, you know, and 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 and, and is one of those. He's, he's, he's in my mind, he's an uncapped springbok because of how much he knows about the game and about his natural talent that he got. So Ini later in his life now are only being justified um, by what God instilled in him. He's only justified to be the captain of such a great side like East, a great region like Eastern Province. Uh, Coach Peter, uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the bench, Roma. I did promise to keep it short in your in your busy schedule. Uh, good luck for this weekend's game against the Bulls on Sunday. Uh, all the best for you guys, and hopefully something good comes through to revive rugby again in the province. So thank you. You know, in life, there's, there's, there's a lot of people who want to wear branded shoes, but they've never been promised to reach your destination with branded shoes. It's not the shoes you wear. Is how you walk with it. Successful, and I hope that we can walk as servants in the in the in the in the paths that you guys in this region want to see. Maybe your children one day, because you can't think that far at this stage. Maybe your children one day will then um, appreciate what this group has done for you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and Godspeed on on your work. Thank you very much, uh, Coach. Looking forward to this weekend's game against the Bulls. Thanks. Eh? So that was uh, Coach Peter de Villiers, a former Springboks coach and current EP Elephants coach. 
Remember, they take on the Bulls this weekend on Sunday at 3 p.m. at Loftus, which kicks off this, uh, the first round of the Preparation Cup. After the break, we chat all things cricket with um, Warriors conditioning coach Runeshan Moodley. So do stay tuned on Madiba's radio, the best news station in the Bay. You know, there are times where before you say something, you got to think hard and deep. Because there's a greater possibility, it is a reflection of either the psyche, the mentality, the character in the person, or it reflects a bit of background. And for fear of exposing where you come from, you think twice and consider perspective. In your face. In the, in the olden days when Jesus Christ went on through his lessons, he was never specific in his references. He would always use symbols. Because whenever a symbol is used in a process where something has to be rectified, none of us gets consumed. If I were to refer to somebody who would I would put it like that because I am. But if I were not, then I'd put it in a way that has respect in what I'm referring to. I hope you understand. I don't. So we have uh, Renishan Moodley um, back for the second time. Um, Today, so obviously, you guys won against, you guys won against um, the, the, the Titans today by 43 runs. Obviously, Mtiwekai um, Nabe producing a forfeit, formerly of the Cobras. Um, obviously, you guys will be looking to, um, to win the next game against... Um, who are you guys playing against, against tomorrow? Uh, we've got the Knights uh, tomorrow afternoon. Um, yeah, obviously, a must-win game for us um, mm. after a like, sort of slowish start to the week. Um, but I think the guys have gathered nicely and... Beating the Titans uh, this morning with a bonus point really sort of sets us up for t- tomorrow's must-win game. Of course, obviously, um, uh, above you guys is the is the Titans. The Titans will be playing against the Dolphins. Obviously, you, they will be looking to to making a positive impression as well, and to looking up to for the for the playoffs. Um, but how's the mood currently at at camp for you guys? <laughs> Good. Obviously, uh, being in a biosecure environment obviously has its own challenges, but I think our guys really adapted well. Um, you know, uh, we sort of had like a slowish start to the week. One or two things didn't really go our way in our first uh, couple of games. You know, we came short there to um, fairly strong sides, you know, but the guys learned, learned from that. And for them to come back uh, this morning and put out a performance like they did was really good for our Yeah, so you obviously you are the Warriors conditioning coach um, for the yeah. T20 Challenge. Um, so, so obviously the let me get straight to the talk for today. But the topic is basically about the, the pitches, about pitch reporting yeah. and and, and um, just general mad pitch and tampering and all that type of stuff. So basically, cricket one hundred and one for all the beginners. Okay. Out there. Yeah. So, um, Rinishan, can you just explain quickly what what? The type of diff- the type of different pitches that we have around the world. Yeah, look, I mean, um, if I could speak about our local stuff, you know, uh, we fairly fairly unique that um, with our different test match venues that we have here, sort of each of them uh, 
uh, presents their own challenges. You know, uh, the wickets are different around the country. Normally, your high felt wickets are sort of um, the inland venues. You know, there's a little bit more pace. There's a little bit um, uh, more bounce. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, high felt. Uh, man, going along the coast where you got obviously Durban, Cape Town, and uh, PE. Yeah. You know, the wickets are slightly slightly slower. Okay, the bounce is not as 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 much and the ball gets sort of roughed up a bit more on the coast because of the abrasive surface you know it's a little bit dry and obviously um, the breezes from the sea and sort of uh, the wind factors also also play a role yeah you mentioned you mentioned that that the pitches become more slower um, along the coast and obviously the ball gets roughened now let's take reference to the to the England tour when they were here um, with the test series um, South Africa had the option of, of using a of using a Maharaj, which it didn't. I mean, it was evident in Cape Town. What could this have uh, affected the team in a in a negative way? Look, um, every team obviously has its own its own makeup, and obviously cricket's one of those sports where there's a lot of external factors that can affect uh, the game. You know, in terms of uh, the field, weather conditions, how the pitch plays, and look. Um, at the time, uh, we don't know what the conditions are. We don't know what the wicket will actually do later on in a test match and stuff like that. So, so the balance of your team is ultimately um, sort of uh, specific to tactics, um, how they want to approach the game. And if they want to go in there with four seamers and a part-time spinner or, or three seamers and a spinner, that's entirely obviously what, what the management staff and the captain uh, decide leading up to a game. You know, um, if, it's, if, there's, if, there's, if there's a lot of cloud around, things like that, you know. So that all affects uh, the decision on, on the makeup of your bowling attack. Yeah, of course. Um, now let's, let's move on to the next topic. Um, we can touch on, on the decision-making of, of, of if, you, if a team should choose to bat or bowl later on in, 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 the, in the, this segment of the show. But the next point I want to come across to you uh, is the uh, pitch tampering. Um, I've, I've watched, uh, I've analysed uh, Steve Smith's um, his, hmm. his latest movements when he's batting on, on, the, on the surface. And then obviously there was a controversy um, 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 when he was playing against India. Obviously he was on the fielding, fielding side and he was just making marks on, on, the, on, the, on the pitch. Is that illegal? Or let's talk, talk me through the whole uh, pinch tampering height and how like the, the level of, of legality there is. Yeah, look... Uh... Agree. So, sort of, this is just sort of my perception on the whole thing. Um, I personally think that obviously Steve Smith uses those little animated movements. I actually think that he uses it to refocus and to stay in the moment. You know, just those are maybe his uh, cues to focus and his uh, cue just to settle down and stay um, mentally in it. You know, so like I don't think it's anything. To, to do with roughing up the pitch, because if you look at the marks he sort of makes and stuff like that, it's all uh, within the crease, you know, and nothing in the crease is going to sort of affect the ball or the bowler, you know. So we talk about sort of um, uh, the middle line between the stumps, you know, so that is sort of like a danger zone um, and about a half a meter sort of either side of the stumps mm. okay. going the length of the pitch, you know. So if you about a meter in front of uh, the popping crease, um, making scuff marks, uh, you will probably be reprimanded for that. But if it's within the crease, on the line of the crease, I don't think that's 
going to have effect in the ball because you shouldn't be landing the ball there in the first place. You know, so if you're walking forward, sort of like a meter, a meter and a half and sort of scratching the surface, that's obviously deemed illegal and you will be warned by the umpires then. And uh, what about the bowlers? I'm surely they, they, they um, when they're running onto the pitch, they surely do make some sort of um, marks onto the pitch somehow. Yeah, look, um, in the um, and it's actually natural for them with their spikes sort of to make little spike marks, but they do get worn if they are running in the danger zone. You know, so like I said, it's the lines um, that connecting each crease from from wicket to wicket. So sort of the umpire has has a danger zone there, and if a guy steps in there more than more than once, he, he obviously can can get worn. So they try and look after uh, the danger zone to the best they can, you know, so it won't affect batting in a certain way. But but with the spinners, you know, there's always going to be rough outside the off stump for the right-hander, outside the off stump for the left-hander, which is made by the bowling boots, you know. But it's not sort of, um, how can I say, um, made there on purpose, but it's in their follow-through, you know. And if it's in... Uh, the zone where sort of you can pitch the ball and get some turn from it, then then you got to extract that and use it. Mm. Now let's let's move on to to sub sub uh, continent uh, surfaces against uh, versus our surfaces. What are the major major differences? I mean, we recently now just came from Pakistan, and obviously we've been seeing a lot of, a lot of purchase and a lot of more spinners being used in the subcontinent um, surface. What, what more have, you, have we seen or, or what we lack as a South African team um, in that, in that's no surfaces? Now, look, I mean, uh, you've got to give credit to subcontinent teams because they're really good in their own conditions. Um, likewise with us, we're really good in our conditions um, locally. Australia will be good in their conditions at home. Now, it's just how um, they adapt. Obviously, uh, the pitches are the drier, so they break up a little faster going into the second and third day. You know, so there is a bit of rough, it's a bit of grip for the spinners. You know, that's why they'll obviously play um, a spin-heavy attack. Uh, they might even start uh, the game with spinners in a test match, as you yeah. as you probably see. You know, so I just think um, with the heat, uh, there's probably not a lot of water that they use on the wickets. Yeah. Uh, so... It, obviously dries up a bit faster and with the dryness of the wicket it obviously causes a bit of dust a uh, bit of gravel and um, loose um, particles on, on the surface you know um, from the rolling um, and the sweeping in that you know so the little <laughs> indentations when the when the wicket's still a bit soft you know the ball drips in there you know so all the rough just provides a bit more grip for the ball and and with a bit more grip in the surface, okay, you're going to get the odd turn, uh, the ball that turns and stuff like that. Mm. Um, we obviously, our batsmen obviously struggled against against Pakistan in the subcontinent um, um, uh, surfaces. But let's not forget as well, England were there as well, um, are actually are still there. They're playing against India. I mean, we saw Joe yeah. Leeds get a double century and obviously they have um, the, the um, Jock Cullis as a batting consultant. Obviously, we lost the um, him as we lost his services uh, due to um, uh, formality, which we won't go ahead into today's show. But what, yeah. how do you think that our batting is is an area of concern at the moment? 
Look, um, to be honest with you, um, I, haven't, I haven't really looked at that. Um, I just obviously focus on my, my specific yeah. job and question certain things around my role and how I can, how I can obviously um, make a difference in terms of conditioning and keeping players fit and things like that. But it's just obviously our mindset um, to batting, you know, how we approach it, how we train um, and all of those things. Because like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a sport where there's, there's so many variables, you know, you can, you can hit a thousand balls in the week and you can get a ball that grips in the rough turns, turns square from outside off and hit your leg stump, you know, so, so it's stuff like that, you know, and I, I just think a lot of work needs to be done on our mental approach to batting, especially on those surfaces. Mm, of course. Um, and then we spoke about it earlier, while well, you mentioned it earlier about the, the, the weather conditions, which obviously does play a factor in, in choosing to bat or bowl. Now, what other factors should a, a team um, who wins a toss consider when, when obviously choosing if, either to bat or bowl? So look, um, are there certain teams that, that will obviously back themselves as a bowling unit? Uh, there are certain teams that will back themselves as a batting unit. You know? So if you've got a stronger batting side, you tend to sort of um, win the toss and bat. Taking in, obviously, um, considerations, the conditions, I think historical factors on venues also play a role. Um, what teams tend to generally do first, um, wicket will do sort of on day three and four, and whether or not you sort of want to bat um, fourth on a wicket that's uh, deteriorating. Yeah. You know, so you probably get, so like uh, the Wanderers, for instance, the second day at the Wanderers is probably the best day to bat. You know, so if you can get through um, uh, the first day and you can score big on the second day, or if you win the toss and elect to bowl, you know, if you bowl well on the first day and have a team all out or seven or eight down going into the second day and, and then you make full use of the conditions on the second day, you know, so, so, so like I alluded to earlier, there's a lot of factors that, that go in, you know, I'm, I'm not really part of those uh, discussions yeah. when it comes to teams and um, selections and how, how are we going to play, but just, just with my limited knowledge on the game, you know, so there's a lot of factors. So uh, we just obviously take into consideration sort of what the, what the wicket might do. Uh, do we consider ourselves a team to chase or a team to put runs on the board? You know, so all of those factors come into place and, and or not we've got sort of decent enough spinners to bowl us to victory in the second innings. You know, like a lot of, uh, we speak about, um, five-day tests and four-day games like we play at franchise level. And it's the amount of runs you can score in your second innings that are really going to count, you know, because that's when the heat is on. That's where uh, the invariable bounce on the wickets start to come on the third and fourth day. That's, that's when the wicket starts to take a bit of turn. And do we have the batters who, who can score second innings runs? You know, so all of those factors... Yeah, but um, so, yeah, we, we lost you there for a bit, but we'll move on. Um, then, obviously, you, you're conditioning a specialist um, yeah. by profession. Um, 
for players, obviously now we have to take in consideration the whole COVID um, pandemic and obviously the return of play for the players. Now, how important yeah. is conditioning um, leading up to 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 um, tournaments? Obviously, you have to take take into consideration the 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 buy bubble and obviously the 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 spatial distance between players. How difficult is it managing the 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 conditioning side of of the players? Yeah, look, it's it was obviously something new. Um, all your workouts at home and things like that. And I think the uh, the main thing was there is that loading our joints and sort of putting stress on the joints, you know, especially with the bowlers, you know, so you need sort of a resistance training for that. You need weights. Um, uh, you need uh, the resistance training, training to sort of train and, and put weight bearing exercises on their knees, on their backs, on their hips and, and things like that. So I think that was the major factor from, from the sort of um, lockdown. Uh, the guys were generally running fit. I mean, that's all they were exposed to during the lockdown time. You know, so working a lot on strength work um, prior to the season, you know, and then also I think a big factor is uh, your level of fitness prior to testing positive or or having a positive COVID test. I think we were fairly lucky that the couple of players that did test positive, they made a fairly quick quick return because there was a certain level of fitness prior to sort of contracting the virus, you know, so it made the recovery like a lot faster. We sort of got like a specific plan that we work with for a player who tests um, positive. For some, it takes two to three weeks uh, to get back to full fitness. Some, some it took two weeks, some it took four weeks, you know, and it all depends on your level of fitness prior, you know, so we spent like a lot of time sort of what, what like sort of helped is that before each series and, um, when the game started, we sort of had like a preseason, but then there was a big break between certain games. We sort of had like another preseason, you know, so we sort of focused on conditioning there and just making sure that the guys' joints can actually handle it. You know, so when we got to isolation in the bio bubbles, um, the first couple of days are normally isolating, obviously waiting for our tests to come back. So they've got specific programs that they can doing their rooms. Um, so we just try and keep their joints um, mobilized and a lot of stretching and, and a lot of yoga, you know, just to keep their muscles um, sort of supple. All right. Uh, Moods, uh, I think that's all the time we have for this segment of, of the show. Uh, actually, good luck tomorrow against the Knights. Um, obviously, you guys will be looking to win. Uh, thanks a lot. Game. Um, so thanks for so much for joining me on, on the bench, Roman. Sure. No, it's been great. Always, always appreciate your time. All right, so that was uh, Runeshan Moodley, uh, the Warriors conditioning coach. So that's all the time we have for today on The Bench Warmer. We trust you guys enjoy the show. Catch us same time next week on The Bench Warmer on Madiba's radio, the best youth station in the Bay. Separate life